section seven of the rover volume one number four this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the rover volume one number four edited by seba smith and lawrence labrie section seven zoe a tale of the youth of julius caesar it was almost midnight the party had separated catiline and cathegus were still conferring in the supper-room which was as usual the highest apartment of the house it formed a cupola from which windows opened on the flat roof that surrounded it to this terrace zoe had retired with eyes dimmed by fond and melancholy tears she leaned over the balustrades to catch the last glimpse of the departing form of caesar as it grew more and more indistinct in the moonlight had he any thought of her any love for her he the favourite of the high-born beauties of rome the most splendid the most graceful the most eloquent of its nobles it could not be his voice had indeed been touchingly soft whenever he addressed her there had been a fascinating tenderness even in the vivacity of his look and conversation but such were always the manners of caesar toward women he had wreathed a sprig of myrtle in her hair as she was singing she took it from her dark ringlets and kissed it and wept over it and thought of the sweet legends of her own dear greece of youths and girls who pining away in hopeless love had been transformed into flowers by the compassions of the gods and she wished to become a flower which caesar might sometimes touch though he should touch it only to weave a crown for some prouder and happier mistress she was roused from her musings by the loud step and voice of cathegus who was pacing furiously up and down the supper-room may all the gods confound me if caesar be not the deepest traitor or the most miserable idiot that ever intermeddled with a plot zoe shuddered she drew nearer to the window she stood concealed from observation by the curtain of a fine network which hung over the aperture to exclude the annoying insects of the climate and you too continued cathegus turning fiercely on his accomplice you take his part against me you who propose the scheme yourself my dear caius cathegus you will not understand me i propose the scheme and i will join in executing it but policy is as necessary to our plans as boldness i did not wish to startle caesar to lose his cooperation perhaps to send him off with an information against us to cicero and catullus he was so indignant at your suggestion that all my dissimulation was scarcely sufficient to prevent a total rupture indignant the gods confound him he prated about humanity and generosity and moderation by hercules i have not heard such a lecture since i was with xenocates at rhodes caesar is made up of inconsistencies he has boundless ambition unquestioned courage admirable sagacity yet i have frequently observed in him a womanish weakness at the sight of pain i remember that once one of his slaves was taken ill while carrying his litter he alighted put the fellow in his place and walked home in a fall of snow i wonder that you could be so ill-advised as to talk to him of massacre 
and pillage and conflagration you might have foreseen that such propositions would disgust a man of his temper i do not know i have not yet your self-command lucius i hate such conspirators what is the use of them we must have blood blood hacking and tearing work bloody work do not grind your teeth my dear caius and lay down your carving knife by hercules you have cut up all the stuffing of the couch no matter we shall have couches enough soon and down to stuff them with and pretty women to loll on them unless this fool and such as he spoil our plans i had something else to say this essenced fop wishes to seduce zoe from me impossible you misconstrue the ordinary gallantries which he is in the habit of paying to every handsome face curse on his ordinary gallantries and his verses and his compliments and his sprigs of myrtle if caesar should dare by hercules i will tear him to pieces in the middle of the forum trust his destruction to me we must use his talents and influence thrust him upon every danger make him our instrument while we are contending our peace offering to the senate if we fail our first victim if we succeed hark what noise was that somebody in the terrace lend me your dagger catiline rushed to the window zoe was standing in the shade he stepped out she darted into the room passed like lightning by the startled cathegus flew down the stairs through the court through the vestibule through the street steps voices lights came fast and confusedly behind her but with the speed of love and terror she gained upon her pursuers she fled through the wilderness of unknown and dusky streets till she found herself breathless and exhausted in the midst of a crowd of gallants who with chaplets on their heads and torches in their hands were reeling from the portico of a stately mansion the foremost of the throng was a youth whose slender figure and beautiful countenance seemed hardly consistent with his sex but the feminine delicacy of his features rendered more frightful the mingled sensuality and ferocity of their expression the libertine audacity of his stare and the grotesque foppery of his apparel seemed to indicate at least a partial insanity flinging one arm round zoe and tearing away her veil with the other he disclosed to the gaze of his thronging companions the regular features and large dark eyes which characterized athenian beauty clodius has all the luck to-night cried ligarius not so by hercules said marcus Celius. the girl is fairly our common prize we will fling dice for her the venus throw as it ought to do shall decide let me go let me go for heaven's sake cried zoe struggling with clodius what a charming greek accent she has come into the house my little athenian nightingale oh what will become of me if you have mothers if you have sisters clodius has a sister muttered ligarius or he is much belied by heavens she is weeping said clodius if she were not evidently a greek said Celius, i should take her for a vestal virgin and if she were a vestal virgin cried clodius fiercely it should not deter me this way no struggling no screaming struggling screaming exclaimed a gay and commanding voice you are making very ungentle love clodius the whole party started caesar had mingled with them unperceived the sound of his voice thrilled through the very heart of zoe with a convulsive effort she burst from the grasp of her insolent admirer flung herself at the feet of caesar and clasped his knees 
the moon shone full on her agitated and imploring face her lips moved but she uttered no sound he gazed at her for an instant raised her clasped her to his bosom fear nothing my sweet zoe then with folded arms and a smile of placid defiance he placed himself between her and clodius clodius staggered forward flushed with wine and rage uttering alternately a curse and a hiccup by pollux this passes a jest caesar how dare you insult me thus in jest i am as serious as a jew on the sabbath insult you for such a pair of eyes i would insult the whole consular bench or i should be as insensible as king sammy's mummy good god caesar said marcus Celius, interposing you cannot think it worth while to get into a brawl for a little greek girl why not the greek girls have used me as well as rome besides the whole reputation of my gallantry is at stake give up such a lovely woman to that drunken boy my character would be gone for ever no more perfumed tablets full of vows and raptures no more toying with fingers at the circus no more evening walks along the tiber no more hiding in chests or jumping from windows i the favoured suitor of half the white stoles in rome could never again aspire above a freed woman you a man of gallantry and think of such a thing for shame my dear Celius. do not let clodia hear of it while caesar spoke he had been engaged in keeping clodius at arm's length the rage of the frantic libertine increased as the struggle continued stand back as you value your life he cried i will pass not this way sweet clodius i have too much regard for you to suffer you to make love at such a disadvantage you smell too much of falernian at present would you stifle your mistress by hercules you are fit to kiss nobody now except old piso when he is rumbling home in the morning from the vintners clodius plunged his hand into his bosom and drew a little dagger the faithful companion of many desperate adventures o oh, gods he will be murdered cried zoe the whole throng of revellers was in agitation the street fluctuated with torches and lifted hands it was but for a moment caesar watched with a steady eye the descending hand of clodius arrested the blow seized his antagonist by the throat and flung him against one of the pillars of the portico with such a violence that he rolled stunned and senseless on the ground he is killed cried several voices fear self-defence by hercules said marcus Celius. bear witness you all saw him draw his dagger he is not dead he breathes said Ligarius. carry him into the house he is dreadfully bruised the rest of the party retired with clodius Celius turned to caesar by all the gods caesar you have won your lady fairly a splendid victory you deserve a triumph what a madman has clodius become intolerable but come and sup with me on the nons you have no objection to meet the consul cicero none at all we need not talk politics our old dispute about plato and epicurus will furnish us plenty of conversation so reckon upon me my dear marcus and farewell caesar you are in danger i know all overheard catiline and Cathegus you are engaged in a project which must lead you to certain destruction my beautiful zoe i live only for glory and pleasure for these i have never hesitated to hazard an existence which they alone render valuable to me in the present case i can assure you that our scheme presents the fairest hopes of success so much the worse you do not know you do not understand me 
i speak not of open peril but of secret treachery catiline hates you cathegus hates you your destruction is resolved if you survive the contest you perish in the first hour of victory they detest you for your moderation they are eager for blood and plunder i have risked my life to bring you this warning but that is of little moment farewell be happy caesar stopped her do you fly from my thanks dear zoe i wish not your thanks but for your safety i desire not to defraud valeria or servilia of one caress extorted from gratitude or pity be my feelings what they may i have learned in a fearful school to endure and suppress them i have been taught to abase a proud spirit to the clasps and hisses of the vulgar to smile on suitors who united the insults of a despicable pride to the endearments of a despicable fondness to affect sprightliness with an aching head and eyes from which tears were ready to rush to feign love when curses were on my lips and madness in my brain who feels for me any esteem any tenderness who will shed a tear over the nameless grave which will soon shelter from cruelty and scorn the broken heart of the poor athenian girl but you who alone have addressed her in her degradation with a voice of kindness and respect farewell sometimes think of me not with sorrow no i could bear your ingratitude but not your distress yet if it will not pain too much in distant days when your lofty hopes and destinies are accomplished on the evening of some mighty victory in the chariot of some magnificent triumph think on one who loved you with that exceeding love which only the miserable can feel think that wherever her exhausted frame may have sunk beneath the sensibilities of a tortured spirit in whatever hovel or whatever vault she may have closed her eyes whatever strange scenes of horror and infamy may have surrounded her dying bed your shape was the last that swam before her sight your voice the last sound that was ringing in her ears yet turn your face to me caesar let me carry away one last look of those features and then he turned round he hid his face on her bosom and burst into tears with sobs long and loud and convulsive as those of a terrified child he poured forth the tribute of impetuous and uncontrollable emotion he raised his head but in vain struggled to restore composure to the brow which had confronted the frown of scylla and the lips which had rivalled the eloquence of cicero he several times attempted to speak but in vain and his voice still faltered with tenderness when after a pause of several minutes he thus addressed her my own dear zoe your love has been bestowed on one who if he cannot merit can at least appreciate and adore you beings of similar loveliness and similar devotedness of affection mingled in all my boy's dreams of greatness with visions of carul chairs and ivory cars marshalled legions and fasces such i have endeavoured to find in the world and in their stead i have met with selfishness with vanity with frivolity with falsehood the life which you have preserved is a boon less valuable than the affection oh caesar interrupted the blushing zoe think only on your own security at present if you feel as you speak but you are only mocking me or perhaps your compassion by heaven by every oath that is binding alas alas caesar were not all the same oaths sworn yesterday to valeria but i will trust you 
at least so far as to partake your present dangers flight may be necessary form your plans be they what they may there is one who in exile in poverty in peril asks only to wander to beg to die with you my zoe i do not anticipate any such necessity to renounce the conspiracy without renouncing the principles on which it was originally undertaken to elude the vengeance of the senate without losing the confidence of the people is indeed an arduous but not an impossible task i owe it to myself and to my country to make the attempt there is still ample time for consideration at present i am too happy in love to think of ambition or danger they had reached the door of a stately palace caesar struck it it was instantly opened by a slave so he found herself in a magnificent hall surrounded by pillars of green marble between which were ranged the statues of the long line of julian nobles call endymion said caesar the confidential freedman made his appearance not without a slight smile which his patron's good nature emboldened him to hazard at seeing the beautiful athenian arm my slaves endymion there are reasons for precaution let them relieve each other on guard during the night zoe my love my preserver why are your cheeks so pale let me kiss some bloom into them how you tremble endymion a flask of samian and some fruit bring them to my apartments this way my sweet zoe End of section seven